I am Janae Adams, and I'm happy to be here. I am the owner of Debt Sucks University, and I travel around the world speaking to audiences about how I paid off $50,000 of debt in two years. And so my business has been going for about 11 years now, and I've spoken to at least over hundreds of thousands of people (laughs) over that time. As a result of my debt experience, I was really skittish about ever getting another credit card. I hate to admit that when it was finally time to sign up for my first card in years, I messed up. I chose badly. I hate this new credit card and I wish that I had known about cash freely when making this decision. What I love about this free tool is the following. It helps credit card users stay organized when using different cash back rewards programs, and just trying to figure out which card is the best card for them. You don't have to worry about leaving cash on the table. Cash Freely helps credit card users optimize the different cash cash back rewards programs that may be a part of current cards that you're using or future cards that you may be considering applying for in the future. And just maybe that extra cash can be applied as an extra payment on your student loan. Okay, I I couldn't resist or used towards savings or that trip that you're excited about taking now that COVID is quote unquote over. Again, this is a free app or you can use the website and I think you should definitely check it out. Click on the link in my show notes for more information. Welcome to Michelle is Money Hungry, a podcast focused on having real and empathetic conversations about the intersection of money, policy, and politics. In my view, personal finance and money isn't just about working hard. I'm spending the entire summer talking about the potential for student loan forgiveness, the cost of education, and is this policy an overreach or is it necessary? In this episode, I speak with Janae Adams of Debt Sucks University. She shares how she paid off $50,000 in debt, has a fascinating take on how people perceive other folks' lifestyles and the impact on policy, and some down-to-earth advice everyone needs to hear about picking the right college. I hope you enjoy the show. Don't forget, nothing this episode should be construed as financial advice and is for entertainment purposes only. Do your due diligence as always. Did you repeat the amount that you paid off? It was $50,000 of debt in two years. What was that debt and what was it comprised of? Yeah, so the what people don't understand is that marriage can bring in some debt that you weren't counting on. So I actually graduated debt-free from college with $10,000 in the bank. But when I got married, I didn't know that my husband had $25,000 of student loan debt for one year. Now, the second twenty five dollars was my fault because instead of getting a car fixed, you know, that probably would have cost us maybe $500. I just convinced him, let's just go get a new one. And we went and traded that car in for a Chrysler 300. That was 25,000. And so just like that, went from having 10 grand in the bank to a few years later being $50,000 in the hole. What happened where you're like, I need to pay this off for a lot of people. That's not a big deal. Like they're just like, yeah, you know, I can make the payments. What happened where you were like, you know what? I really want to get this paid off and I want to do it quickly. And you're so right. A lot of people just 
are able just to sit in because as long as people are getting paid, everything's good. Well, I had got laid off in 2008 and I had a one-year-old at home. So my back got against the wall really quickly because in that one phone call when I was laid off, that was 60% of our household income going, a car was going and not health insurance. So that is what got me on the path. I didn't think it was going to take only two years, but I knew I had to do something. What were the things that you did to make this happen? I, I assume you got a job pretty quickly afterwards, or or am I wrong in assuming that? Yes, yeah, so actually, it took me four months to get okay. another job. Yeah, so it was basically survival mode for, for four months. And then once I, we, I was able to get another job, then that's when we actually got serious about paying the debt off. Like I said, it was survival mode for four months. Um, we started, of course, cutting back on things, cutting out things and just taking all the extra money that we could find and paying it t- extra towards the debt. So with this as your backstory, why is it that you are pro-student loan forgiveness? What is it about that policy that you think, yes, this is a good policy? What are the things that you're hearing when you're out there in the world communicating with people about student loan forgiveness? Like, why is this a yes for you? It's a yes for me, just mainly because it was put in place and that and people have followed the rules. Like if somebody, you know, this was put in place in 2007 under the Bush administration, the main one that everybody's talking about is the public service loan forgiveness. That's the main one. You you have other ones out there and we can talk about that. But the main one that everybody's mad at is the public ser- service loan forgiveness one. And it's it was put in place in 2007. And these individuals paid their money. And did what was what they were supposed to do for 10 years. And when 2017 came up under the other administration, only 1% received their forgiveness. So what it was is that the, the you know, all these administrations weren't keeping their promises. And so now they're actually trying to fix it and the promises are being kept. So what I'm hearing from my community, like I, and I tell a lot of people, I say, you, you wouldn't believe how many people are actually in student loan debt. Because everybody's excited. If I just say, if I just put up a post that the student loan pause is going a little bit longer, it gets shared over 150 times from people that don't even follow me. That every time I put up student loan, anything, forgiveness or anything, it is highly, (laughs) highly (laughs) regarded on social media and anywhere else. And I'm getting DMs and calls about it. So many people don't understand how many people actually have student loan debt. And I mean, all the way up to people who are elderly up up in their 60s. So it's far reaching. Why do you think student loan forgiveness has become a multi-generational issue? I think it's become a multi-generational issue and, and it gets very complex. Um, a lot of it has to do with, it, it starts in high school. And when you get a, you, you want to go to your dream school. And then you have that parent or your, that guardian who's not able to tell you no. If we can't afford that, you can't afford that, you need to go somewhere else. And understanding that a degree is going to be a degree. And, but people get caught up in the, the prestige of going to a certain college. And so what happens is not only are you going to put student loan debt on the actual student, but then parent plus loans come in. And that's when you're, you're involving your mom, dad, guardian, grandma, auntie. And now it becomes generational debt because these people are taking on student loans for your education. So because that adult at the time couldn't say no to you, now everybody is having generational debt and it becomes a major problem. That's why student loan debt basically expands generations. It's the the student, it is the parents or the guardians, it's the grandparents. Like every time I go and speak at a corporation and I meet with HR, it's always people in their 60s that have student loan debt because of a grandchild. 
is really a problem. You answered this very differently than I thought, and which <laughs> I hadn't thought about it in this way. I was thinking about student loans in terms of just people who went to school years ago and still owe on their debt, like they still owe on their loans. But I hadn't really thought about how um, like the parent plus loans do pull in the relatives who are wanting the best for their grandkids, their kids, whomever, the, the dependents that they have. And then there's this this ability to say yes to this lending product. I guess my question would be, and, and I should have asked this of a, a guest that I spoke to earlier today, which is why is it that people are saying yes instead of saying, hey, this isn't an opportunity for you? Why do you think people don't have that conversation and, and they put themselves at financial risk instead? Do you, do you think they think this is a financial risk at the time? I think they do, but just like everything else in life, especially here in America, is that we have a hard time saying no to ourselves and to other people, especially children. We, we buy the shoes that we really can't afford. We put them on credit cards. We go and get that house with that house payment we really can't afford. And it's because we're trying to impress other people instead of just understanding that if you really want to impress somebody, build up your bank account. And so parents and guardians just have a problem saying no to, to young people and to students because they feel like they have to keep up with all their peers. And they don't understand that all the peers and the parents and the guards of those peers are doing the same thing that you're doing. And y'all all are just putting yourselves in debt because y'all trying to keep up a certain appearance with each but, other. But don't you think it's not even about appearance? It's about opportunity. Like, so I'm going to be honest, like none of the, like this, I didn't go to college because I cared about what other people were, were doing. I went to college because I thought that this was my opportunity, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so definitely. if I'm going to college and I have no money and this is my opportunity and this is what's sold to me as this is the thing, what's the messaging to counter that? How are people supposed to have opportunity if they, what are the other options, I guess is what I'm trying to ask, instead of going into student loan debt, regardless of who they're trying to impress or not, what would you advise people to do to better their lives and, and create opportunity absent a student loan? What, what's your advice? I speak to a lot of first generation students. I'm a first generation grad. And, mm -hmm. and, and I always tell them, you know, they, one student asked me at a program, she said, if you could do it all over again, would you go to college? And I said, of course I would. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, of course I would. I wouldn't be where I am if I didn't go to South Carolina State. And so what I tell them is that you can go to college. And I said, and sometimes student loan debt is a necessary evil because you have come from a place where nobody was able to save money because they were just trying to get, you know, trying to just survive. And mm -hmm. you only got a few scholarships. What I, what I will tell you is that you don't have to go to the, now some colleges are $75,000 a year. You don't mm -hmm. have to go to the $40,000 a year. How about let's go to the $20,000 a year college where, and that's including room and board and tuition. And you, maybe you find $10,000 in scholarships. So then you only have 10,000 student loan debt that first year. It's, it's about that. Yes, maybe student loans have to be a necessary evil, but it doesn't mean you have to take on tens of thousands of dollars of it just to go somewhere. What are some of your observations about the misconceptions or concerns that people are voicing about this policy? What are people getting wrong and what are they getting right? So the people who, I would say the people who are, you know, against it, what they're getting wrong is understanding that this is something that was put in place 
like as a law, like this is not something that's just off a whim. You know, the public service loan forgiveness was put in the law that the borrow defense that protected the for-profit scam colleges, those students that got scammed by that. This stuff was put into place. And so when people complain about it, and a lot of times it's older people complain about it, I say how I say to myself and I say to them, how would you feel <laughs> that 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 promise that they had for social security? And Medicare, where you paid into this system mm-hmm. all these years, and they got to a point they said, you know what, this ain't fair to everybody else. This is not fair to that 50 year old who can't be in Medicare. It's not fair to that 50 year old who can't get Social Security right now, but you getting it. So we're going to just stop it for everybody. They would lose their absolute mind. And this is the same thing. These individuals paid into this program and was made a promise. Now it's time for the promises to be kept. What about people who didn't do the public service program, which is highly problematic because no one's getting their loans forgiven? What about the other students who are like, we feel that we are victims of predatory lending and we should also be a a part of the student loan forgiveness? What what are some of your thoughts about that? Because it is clear that there is a problem with the cost of college and the advice that students were given. I think nowadays it's interesting because we have technology that can mm-hmm. can kind of really, you know, you get people on TikTok or Instagram or, or Facebook or Twitter talking about, hey, <laughs> like these are things you need to consider. But people who are Gen X and older millennial, that that wasn't really there when we were making our college decisions. So I feel like we're kind of talking about different segments of people, right? So what are your thoughts about the people who, who are long past college and didn't have all this information? And they're like, it is clear that something went wrong with our loans. Would they be eligible for student loan forgiveness as well? What are some of your thoughts? Yeah, so I'm a millennial. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I, I'm from that long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that long ago. Come on. <laughs> I, I'm from, yeah, I'm, I'm from that. So I understand where, where they're coming in. And I have, you know, two different thoughts about it. But definitely when the only the only thing that, you know, outside right now, the public service, I mean, public service loan forgiveness is available. The borrowed defense student loan forgiveness is available. The uh, permanent and disabled uh, student loan f- is f- forgiveness is available as well as the new one with the income-based repayment. It's actually four out there that a lot of people can, can fall into. But the other thing that they can try to hang their hat on is the, 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 prom- the campaign promise from President Biden with the $10,000 of student loan forgiveness. And that'll be across the board if you have federal student loans. So that'll cover all those people that you were just talking about. Um, but that, that has to be done. And, and they're moving towards that way. That, that's right, right there is the only way that I see that they get some of their student loans forgiven. Now, on the flip side, so this is where when we didn't have social media then, but mm-hmm. we have it now, Mm-hmm. is that a lot of people like to do things on social media, show their trips, show the things they buy. <laughs> and so it becomes- But, but to me, be- that's fraud. For me, I find that to be fraudulent activity. I don't think that everyone is going on trips and stuff with their student loans. No. You know what I mean? Like, no, not I at got- all. Not on their student loans, no. Okay. Are, are you saying like just in general, like the vibe that people are showing their life and how it could be just in general- on student yeah. on on uh, social media 
Yeah. So, so this is what I'm talking about. I, I am going on uh, 41. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the, the individuals I graduated with uh, 20 plus years. All right. So, and a lot of them still have student loans. Now, what I'm saying is that when, when we're talking about people who are against student loan forgiveness, social media gives them ammunition because the same people who want student loan forgiveness are on trips and we, and, and we can look at our friends. We can look at strangers. It's, it's their, their trips, buying stuff, look at the Christmas trees <laughs> during Christmas time. And so it, it's kind of like you have to be able to look at it from a, a policy point of view. And if mm-hmm. the policy says we're going to do this, then they got to do it. That's it. And that's why I'm pro student loan forgiveness right there, because they have made these promises. Uh-huh. You got to keep these promises. OK, but but also people have to realize that you're not helping the situation, especially the ten thousand dollar one that is still up in the air when all this is going on through social media. If, if the government was really <laughs> smart about things, it could really become a problem. And so that's that's the only reason I want to put that warning out there is that, yes, they have made a promise and need to keep them, but don't make it hard on on yourself if you want student loan forgiveness. If you were designing this policy, what what would be the different things that like what would be three different things that you would do so that this could or could work or just just walk away from it? What would you do? First and foremost, if they decided, let's say the $10,000, because right now that's probably the best that people are going to do. The $50,000 is probably never going to happen. But the $10,000 one, if they decide to do that, I would say that we have to look at it in two ways. You got the forgiveness there, but with higher ed institutions, whenever we start doing the free community college in some states or the, the, the student loan forgiveness and so forth overall, then those institutions start raising their prices. Because the fall guys, the government, not them. My plan would be able to find a way to keep them from doing that. Secondly, is to understand that it's people coming after all these graduates right now and all the graduates from 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. If, you, if they get student loan forgiveness, then what about them that just started? They're starting in the fall. Mm-hmm. Do they just get left behind? Mm-hmm. So how can we factor in to make sure that some kind of thing, you know, happens for other people. What does need, what needs to go into paying into that? And then last but not least, financial literacy. And I mean, real financial literacy has to be put in place in high schools. It, it just has to be. It, it makes no sense that so many people are going to colleges out of their financial league. That it just is like that will decrease a lot of the future student loan debt. If students would go to the colleges that they can afford, that they can work to get scholarships for and, and go that way, then we won't be even having this conversation because there'll be less student loan debt. So that, that would be my three right there. What would be the responsibility of the school? So one of the things that I, in preparation for this, this series, I did some research and, and I tried to get a feel of what, why is this happening? Like what is going on? And one of the things I thought about was the fact that I lived, I used to live in Europe. So I lived in Europe for a brief period of time and I studied at a university there. I was in Paris. I studied at the, at the Sorbonne and as an international student who was there for four, four, excuse me, for six months, I spent for everything, including transportation, fun, how everything, I spent $4,000 for everything. And when I think about the cost of education in America, it it just, 
even at that point in time in my life, it was, it's just very expensive. What is the responsibility of universities when it comes to the guidance that they give students in terms of the loans that they suggest in terms of the tuition that they're charging? Like, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, so it, it has to be accountability on their part. And right now they don't have to do it. There are institutions out there that do do it. They say that you can take out this. We do not recommend this. They send out what they call debt letters to let you know how much debt you have taken on. And that kind of pushes students back to be like, okay, I don't need to take out that so I can get a refund check. Mm -hmm. So there are actually institutions that are taking that step and so forth. But in order for that to actually be universal across the country with institutions, it's going to have to be something done by Congress. Um, and they still haven't. And it's been, this has been for years. This is probably the third administration that the higher education, yeah, the third, the third administration that the Higher Education Reauthorization Act still hasn't gone through. And they have been talking about making higher ed institutions partly responsible for the student loan debt that students take on. Now, if they end up doing that, you will see a lot of changes at colleges and universities around the country. They, it will be way more of them doing debt letters, way mm-hmm. more of them saying, no, you can't take out this amount of money. You have to keep it under this. It will be a lot more because they will be on the hook a little bit more, just like the, the government is. We're wrapping up and I have a couple of final questions. What is your feeling about, and I think your, your feeling is that it's not going to happen, but your feeling around uh, the $10,000 student loan forgiveness and how borrowers will react to that as a policy. I, I feel like this current administration really hurt themselves with how they talked about this policy on the campaign trail. What, what are your thoughts about that? With the $10,000 um, forgiveness, what, what I feel that people need to understand is that the Department of Education and Secretary Cardona, this administration, came into a mess. When I tell you, when I told you those four different student loan forgiveness options that people have right now, that is stuff, it, it, at least the, the, the PSLF, as well as the borrowed defense, that's the ones that people went to for-profit institutions that were scammed. Uh, those were already supposed to be handled in the last administration. But because of the secretary that we had during that time, nothing got done. So mm-hmm. they are already coming in and having to work from behind because they have to fix all of that, make sure all these people who got their promises done is completed before they can even move to the 10,000. And, and the Department of Education doesn't have millions of workers there. <laughs> they, <laughs> they have nothing compared to the amount of workers that are needed for this. And you're and, and people only focus on student loan forgiveness. These, these individuals have to deal with K through 12, have to deal with Title IX, have to deal with um, ADA and making sure everything is compliant at these colleges. And like, they have more work to do than student loan forgiveness. So if those who are listening, just understand those who are waiting for the $10,000 student loan forgiveness, understand how much they had to, and they're still working on right now from the last administration who didn't do anything on this front. They're fixing that as fast as they can. And I mean, 
millions of dollars have been forgiven already. If you can find a teacher, a nurse, a social worker, they are getting $40,000 uh, forgiven, $80,000. A young lady who had total permanent disability that I know got $140,000 of student loan forgiveness. It is happening. It's just not might be not happening as fast for you, for your situation, but it's coming. And lastly, I will say this, please understand it's an election year. And so mm. depending on how things go in November, could mean you get 10,000 or you don't. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so I will tell you that. So you get, you get, you know, you can bash this administration all you want to in this department of education. They are more on your side than others. So you, you can, you can do what you want to, but if you're looking for $10,000, stuff better not change in November. Now I'll leave it at that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry, that was funny. Janae, one of the things that has come up in speaking with other guests is just the lack of awareness of these different programs. You actually brought up all these different forgiveness programs that are available to people now. Why do you think there's such a disconnect around what is available to people now to help them with their loan situation? Honestly, and I promise you, it's very frustrating to me. Um, because if, if anything, the PSLF covers the most people because you just, you got to work in the public sector. You got to work for local, state, federal government. You have to work for nonprofits, you, a teacher, not a nurse at a, at a hospital. So many people could get billions of dollars forgiven and they don't know anything about it. Every time I come across a teacher or a nurse or a social worker, it infuriates me. And, it, and it's mainly because like you, they only can know so much from the news or things on social media. Their employers should be should have had this workshop with them last October when it started. What's so sad about their situation is that they only have to October 31st, 2022 to get the paperwork in. After that, it's 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 done. Like you you go back to the old rules. Right now they have opened up like anybody almost <laughs> if you work in a nonprofit, almost anybody can get this program and if you've been working since 2007 if you have put your 10 years in and 10 years of payment your student loans are done and people don't even know that i had a friend call me the other day said one of his student loan companies called him and <laughs> said because he worked in the school system and now for the city he can get his student loans forgiven i asked wow. him I, I just cut i just cut him off i said how long you been was there how long you been there and i was like and they're right get your paperwork done this weekend. And his wife is a social worker in the same predicament. This whole household can end up being debt-free from student loans and would have never known it. Their employees said nothing. So that's the kind of frustration that that goes on with me daily because we we think about the wealth gap here and student loans has a lot to do with it. And, uh, And right now, this administration is trying to close that gap, but they can only do so much. They can't call everybody. So it's just frustrating. What are you doing to help connect people with just besides being on the show and and like, what are you doing um, to let people know that this is a thing that, that they could potentially have access to this, this solution is something that could be out there and available for them. Yeah. And other than the, the lives that I do online to reach as many as I can, my team and I have been reaching out to hospitals, colleges, people who would qualify for this. And we're, we're, we're setting up for the summer and starting to do workshops and so forth. We're trying to get as much as we can get in through October until that deadline and just letting people know what it is, because like I said, it's a short window. So that's what I've been doing is trying to get in front of these audiences that qualify and really putting it on them that you need to do this ASAP. In fact, you needed to do it, you know, 
three months yesterday. ago. Yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're like because... an army of one that's trying to be an army of many, you know? Exactly. <laughs> wow. Wow. If you were to give advice to someone who's listening to this series right now, maybe they are a grandparent who's taken on loans for their grandkids, or maybe they are a person in their forties and they still have their loans from when they were undergrad, or maybe they didn't pay 10 years consecutively, which I think is a thing that not enough of us talk about. Um, What would be the advice that you would give someone today who's listening to this conversation about the current student loans that they have, and they are not young people, like they are not you know, 30 and younger, what's some advice that you would give them? I would definitely say to make sure you look at all of your options, because what you think you don't qualify, you may qualify for. And, and that's a conversation I've been having a lot lately is that there are pro, there are repayment programs out there that you may qualify for uh, and you can get into those. If you exhaust everything then and you still have those student loans, then of course you got the possibility of the $10,000 forgiveness coming. And then after that, that's when you have to make a financial plan to pay it off. Uh, that, that, that would be your last resort because you, you've exhausted <laughs> the repayment plans. The $10,000 comes from this administration. After that, if you, if you have overall 40 and 10 grand gone, then you got to make a plan to pay off the other 30. That, that's, that's what they have left. What does a financial plan look like with or without that 10 grand? Because for a lot of people, that's, that's like a drop in the ocean. Let's say people got get that 10 grand, which they, that would be amazing. That'd be awesome because that still kind of alleviates some of the pressure. What would you then suggest they do next? Yeah, so, it, you know, like you said, some of that is a drop in the bucket. And unfortunately, the way that policy is set up now, laws and so forth around student loan forgiveness, once you get exhaust all of that, only thing you have left, of course, is to pay it. And so I tell people to look at student loan debt like any other debt, you know, car loan, credit card debt, anything. And you just have to make a plan. So, you know, with me, it could have been $50,000 of student loan debt. I'm still going to have the same approach as I would with it being a car and a, and a student loan. I'm going to find extra money and pay towards the principal, extra towards the principal. So at one point we were finding $350 extra a month. And so instead of paying just a $400 car payment, we were paying them $750 and that 350 going to the principal. And that's how it got paid down a lot quicker. Like it's the same process. It doesn't matter what the debt is. You just have to take the plan and work it. For people who would like to follow you and what you're doing, how can they find you? Uh, definitely on my website is debtsucksuniversity.com. And <laughs> I then, love it. <laughs> and then, of course, on social media, I think the best place would be Instagram. And my name is Janae Adams Speak. And Janae is spelled like Janet Jackson. So that'll make it easier for you all to find. But Janae Adams Speak is on Instagram. Janae, thank you so, so much for your wisdom, your expertise. I actually learned a few things in this too that I hadn't thought about. I really do think that I hadn't considered how sometimes the optics of how people live can impact how people view a policy, right or wrong, right? And so that's also just something to consider as well. Thank you so much for being a guest. And I hope that this will help someone out there. I'm sure it will. Thank you for having me.